to thank my boy, Mike Estrada, for getting the logo right. So all my small business owners, if y'all need some logos, y'all hit up my boy, Mike, man. Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Want to get it through? Want to welcome everybody to episode 44 of Levi's Youth Sports Talk. And today we have somebody from League City. Went to Dickinson High School. Played college ball at San Jacinto College, and is now the head coach of the Hustle Premier 2K11 team. Garcia to the show. Yeah, I'm super excited. So, um, if you want to uh, start off by um, talking about your upbringing and what sports you played growing up. Yeah, for sure. So, I started softball when I was about, I want to say six or seven. My stepsister played and my dad took me to one of her games. I had no idea where I was going. And I watched it for the very first time ever. And I was like, that looks really fun. And he was like, you want to give it a try? And I was like, uh, why not, right? And the first time I ever threw a ball, I got a black eye because I didn't catch it. <laughs> so yeah. <don't... laughs> so I quit that for a couple months and didn't want to do it. And then my dad was like, come on, let's give it another try. And I was like, all right. I was horrible. I was one of the worst players on the team. Wasn't very good for, honestly, a really long time. For, I would say, like, two or three years, I was 100% the worst player on the team. And my dad always told me, like, just keep going. Just keep going. And as I was younger, I didn't really play a lot of other sports. I think it wasn't until I got to junior high where, like, school sports were a thing was when I started doing other sports. And then, then I did volleyball. I did track, cross country. And I was actually forced to do track and cross country because my dad told me, like, hey, you got to get fast. Like, you're fast, but I need you to be faster, so you're just going to go run. So that wasn't by choice at all. Um, but honestly, it was fun. I actually really, really enjoyed it. I There was kind of a point where I was like, man, I wish I would have done more sports as like when I was younger. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I would have played club sports, but my dad always told me, like, you want to play softball, then you're going to stick to it, and that's all you're going to do. And so that's kind of what we did. It was softball all day long, waiting for him to come home so we could practice. Mm-hmm. What, and what position did you play growing up? Well, I was primarily right field, you know, because I was so bad. <laughs> and then, no, honestly, and it, it was bad. And there was a point where my dad was the coach as I was young. Like, he was my coach on my team. And him and my mom used to argue because she was like, how are you going to bench your own kid? And he was like, dude, I can't put her out there. Like, I'm sorry. So, like, he was really, really hard on me, and, like, I'm so thankful for it now. Like, God bless him. But at the time, my feelings were hurt, and I was always like, man, like, I'm really not going to play today, am I? He was like, nope, not until you get better. Not until you get better. Got to keep working. So, for a long time, I it was very rare that I even played right field. Then I started getting a little better, and I was like, yeah, I don't really like the outfield. Like, I want to play the infield. And he was like, okay, like, what part? And I was like, oh, I don't really care, whatever. I just want to be in the infield. So we started at middle infield, and that kind of just stuck with me. That's kind of where I really started to grow. I really started to have fun because there was a point where I was playing softball, and it wasn't fun because I was so bad. 
Like, it wasn't fun at all. And I remember going to my dad, like, I want to quit. I just want to quit already. Like, can I try something else? And he was like, no, you're going to get it. You just got to give it some time. And I was super uncoordinated as a kid, like super uncoordinated, had no rhythm, had nothing. Like, I was really starting from scratch. And then I tried the pitching route. That lasted probably a month. I remember my dad was like, well, you know, if you're going to be a pitcher, you got to pitch every day. And that's kind of where I was like, yeah, you're right. Probably not for me. <laughs> probably not, not the route that I want to go. That's a lot of work. Oh, yeah. It's crazy. And even today, like, I don't know. I just, p- pitching just was never for me. It wasn't going to happen. Okay. And so, um, you know, at, did you play any select ball, you know, once you got onto, to the old ages? Yeah. So, I think my first select team was still my dad's team. I think we were in Kenya. It was a team called Blitz. Um, we were really, really young. That's actually where I met one of my best friends. That's still my best friend today. I played with her, like, pretty much my whole life. So we started there. Uh, the team wasn't very good. We were a good team. We were decent. But, I mean, we used to go to tournaments and get whooped for free. It was bad. For free. <laughs> yeah, no, it was bad. And I was just like, man, like, we suck. Like, And then I played for Blitz, and then we grew up, and then my dad moved us over to Bombers. And that's where we started getting better players. And it's like, even eight years ago when I was playing, like, people follow the name teams. Like, people don't want to play for smaller organizations. Like, people want to play on big teams. So we we got named Bombers, and all of a sudden we had these great players come. And, like, we want to try out. We want to make the team. Like, and my dad, he was a great coach. Like, he's one of the best coaches that I think, aside from being my dad, just as a coach, like, one of the best that I've ever had. And – we played for Bombers. We did really, really well, and we shook a lot of people. Like, we went out there, and we we put some some good some good games up, and people were like, man, who is that team? And then I think that was a point, I was probably like 12 or 13, where my dad was like, okay, like, I'm not going to be your coach anymore. And I think that was a big change for me because I was like, what do you mean? You know, me as a kid not thinking, like, at some point he's not going to be your coach, like, So he was like, no, like, I'm going to send you off to another team. Like, you're going to go try out for teams, see what team you make, like, and we'll go from there. And so I stayed with the Bombers organization in 14U. Then 16U, I tried out for Aces Express, which isn't a thing anymore. Bombers bought them out. But I made their national team. And I think that was, like, the first, like, whoa, of, like, college coaches and experiences. And I remember 14U – I had this coach. Her name was Coach Iver. I one of the, I think she honestly is the best coach that I've ever had. And she played at Oklahoma. She knew a lot of people. And so I remember one time she sent us to an LSU camp. And I was like, what? Like, LSU? Like, I don't think we belong here. Crazy enough, and I always told her, I'm like, man, I, I'm a little bit nervous. Like, should we really be coming way out here? Like, am I that good yet? My mom was like, let me just go out there. Just do it. See what happens. And it was a huge camp. It was like a summer camp. It was like three or four days long. You stayed there. Like your parents didn't come and see you. Like it was, it was a legit camp. And I remember winning MVP, like of the whole camp, they give you a bat, a glove. And I came home and I was like, mom, I can't believe that just happened. And I think that was like my first moment of like, oh, I can actually play college. Like that's actually something that I can do. That's attainable for me. And from there, it was go time. I mean, I never stopped from there. Okay. And then, you know, like, um, so then you get to, you know, to the high school ball and, you know, recruiting 
starts? Like, how were how was your your recruiting process? I actually had a crazy recruiting process. Crazy. So I don't know if you remember, but there was a point where they had changed the rule where coaches couldn't reach out to you until September 1st of your junior year. Uh That happened the summer going into my freshman year. And that was like a really, really big deal because kids were committing so young. Like there was girls that I was playing with in a 14U team and half the girls were already committed. And it was like, I... At the time, it was normal, and it was like, yeah, that's what you do. Like, you're about to be a freshman. You're about to get into high school. Like, it's time to start figuring out where you want to go. So when that rule passed, it kind of changed everything. And it was kind of like, okay, so now where do we go? Now what do we do? So my dad told me, like, you know, you didn't get any offers, so now we wait. Now we work till your junior year. Now Now it's time for you to put up some numbers. Like, now you need to get recognized. And I was like, okay, so how do we do that? And he was like, well, you need to be on a better team. You need to start going to these showcases. You, you, you really need to start. And high school is a perfect opportunity for you to get your name out there. So I was really, really excited. And then we get there freshman year. And we our freshman, my freshman year, uh, the class that was – all the classes that were before me that were already there, like, they were stacked. Like, they, I think they had, like, five D1 commits, a bunch of girls. Like, do you know Bailey Klinger? No. She uh she played at Wash she played at A and M then she went to Washington great player one of the probably the best player that I've ever played with she was there um she was amazing and so I remember going into my freshman year and I had a couple parents tell me like yeah you're good but I don't think you'll make varsity and I kind of was like whatever it is what it is like you don't make varsity whatever like that's fine so I ended up making varsity. And I remember then when I made varsity, parents were like, yeah, you'll probably be in the outfield. And I was like, okay, whatever, that's fine. Like, I've got experience there at least. And I got there, and they were like, no, you're going to play third base. I had never, ever played anything other than outfield, second base, and shortstop. Mm -hmm. So then you put me at third base, and now I'm playing a bunch of 17, 18-year-olds who are seniors that are going to these big schools. And I was terrified. Like, I did not have I, – I was not fun for me. I was scared. Like, I went – I remember when my coach told me that. It was the day before our first district game. I made my mom take me to the academy and buy a face mask because I was genuinely – like, I was terrified. Like, I had no idea what I was doing. And she was like, do you really need that? And I was like, no, seriously. Like, if I'm going to be out here and I'm going to play these big girls, like, you're going to have to give me some protection. Mm-hmm. We took it so far that she was like, well, then let's get you a mouth guard. Let's do all these things. And I was like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like, that's <laughs> what we need to be doing right now. And I was scared. And I went out there and my freshman year, I had a – once I got comfortable at third race, I had a blast. And I was a slapper. So I started slapping. Actually, I was, it was pretty late when I started slapping. I was probably like 13 years old. So it was right before I went in to my freshman year. And I went out there, and I was slapping. We were playing these crazy girls. Do you know uh, – what's her name? Oh, Kelly Maxwell. She played at OSU. Yeah, I heard of her name before. She was in our district. She played for – I want to say it was either Alvin or Clear Springs. She was in our district my freshman year. Every single time we played her, I was just like, man, like, can we get this game over with? Like, I just knew for sure I was going <laughs> to strike out, just for sure. And I remember my very last at-bat, we played her for the second time, very last at-bat, I got a hit. And, oh, my gosh, it was, like, my like my biggest accomplishment my freshman year of high school. And that was – I think everybody had high expectations for us to, like, go to playoffs and do really good. We ended up being last in district. 
Like, no. we're not even close to making playoffs. And people were like, what the heck? Like, y'all have all these great players. And I was like, yeah. Well, that's kind of what happens when your coaches don't know where to put your players. Mm-hmm. So then my sophomore year, I go in. Now I'm playing shortstop. Bailey Klinger left. They're like, hey, you're our shortstop. Cool. Awesome. Now I'm comfortable. Now I can do some things. And then I remember I got hurt at our – I think it was like our first or second tournament preseason. I, my left fielder ran into me trying to catch a pop-up. Go to the doctor, and they're like, yeah, you'll be done for about four or five months. Like, really big bone bruising, partial tears, not enough for surgery, but you're going to be done for a minute. And I was like, man, like, that's really bad timing. Like, you know, I was really trying to get ready for junior year because, you know, September 1st comes up in about a year. So it was like, okay, well, now, now we go through the recovery process. I did all that. I did physical therapy. I was finally getting back into it. And I remember that was the year that I played for the national team for Aces Express. That summer, my mom was like, you got to get ready. You got to get better. Like, we got to hurry up. You got to go play this summer. Like, it's important. So I rushed the process, went out there, didn't have a good summer at all. Just really down on myself. Really, I really lost all my confidence. And I was like, I just, like, no, that wasn't it. Like, that wasn't fun. I didn't do good. And she was like, why didn't, like, you know, your parents, your parents are always going to be hard on you. They're always going to have the que- the, an- the questions that you can't answer. Like, why did you suck so bad? I was like, God, I wish I knew. Like, I wish I knew. Yeah, that's my favorite so, question right there. Yeah, like, it, it was just like, what, kind of like, I, I think I would need to start reevaluating. And my dad, he was always, as tough as he was on me, my mother was my worst, like my biggest critic. Like my dad was always there to mediate the situation. And I remember talking to him and he was like, Emma, like that's your first real injury. Like, and I told him, I was like, don't make an excuse for me though. Like, let's be honest. That was horrible what I just did. And he was like, yeah, but like, Hey, at least we can only go up from here. Like there's, you're not getting any worse than that. And I was like, that's very true. Very true. So then I get done with the summer, had a great fall, had a great fall. And did really well. Then I go back my junior year. So now it's past September 1st. I remember going on a visit to FIU. Well, not a visit, but I went to a camp for FIU. It's a D1 in Miami. Fell in love with it. And I had always said my whole life, like, I want to live in Miami. So it felt really right. Like, it felt like, yeah, that's where I should be. So I start getting in contact with the coach. We're talking, talking about setting up a visit. Then my junior year comes. Same exact tournament that we had played in the previous year where I got hurt. And I get hurt again. This time, I need surgery. Broke my, I was turning a double play. We were on turf. It was raining. The runner slid into me. She was coming in hot, like coming in crazy. And you can't blame her. We were on turf. It was wet. Mm-hmm. And so I broke my ankle. They were like, yeah, you need screws. Like, I just remember I was in the doctor's office with my mom. And my mom was like, what do you think it is? And I was like, I think it's just sprain. I think it's just sprain. Like, I think we'll be fine. My ankle was huge. Like, you couldn't barely see my toes. And the doctor walked in and she was like, so we've scheduled your surgery for a week from today. And, like, she didn't even tell me, like, hey, it's broken. Didn't let me look at the x-ray. Like, just came in and straight up was like, this is what it is. And I remember being like, oh, crap. Like, that was the last thing that I had expected. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that the only thing I could do is cry. My mom was like, dude, stop. Like, you're embarrassing. And, like, that, that's just my mom. Like, don't do that. Don't show me. <laughs> like, calm down. We'll figure it out. And I was like, what do you want me to So I remember that ride home was horrible. It was horrible. I ended up having surgery. 
went through the whole physical therapy process again, had a horrible time doing it. And then it was like, okay, well, so that was the spring. So now we're going into my senior year. And I was like, okay, well, now I need to figure out where I'm going to go. Like, what am I going to do? Where am I going to go? And I remember my freshman year, Stan Jack was, they had always were reaching out to me, always talking to me. And, you know, JUCO doesn't have this, they don't have the same rules that these D1s and D2s have. So right. they could reach out to me whenever they felt like it. Like, there's always a saying, like, oh, JUCO never has any rules. It's true. It is so true. <laughs> there really aren't any rules in JUCO. They can do whatever they want. And so they were always reaching out to me. And I remember telling my dad, and he was like, don't, like, don't forget about San Jack. I mean, I was a sophomore when he was telling me this. And I was like, San Jack, like, come on, dad. Like, I'm getting, I'm going to these big schools and they're interested in me. And at the time it was like, yeah, LSU, yeah, Alabama, like, yeah, FIU, like, all these big schools were interested, U of H. And it was like, why would I go to San Jack? Well, that's exactly where I ended up going. I remember I was at a tournament. The coaches had come up to me and they were like, look, we want to offer you. And I was like, okay, I want to take it. Mm. And I remember I, they, I actually told them, like, okay, can I get some? And they told me, like, talk to your parents about it. Take some time. I remember I was in my bedroom one day and I was like, well, we're not getting any more offers. Like, you know, at the time, now it's, like, all these D1s that are – all these 2021 kids, like, they've already found their home. These coaches aren't looking for a senior anymore. So, like, what, what are we going to do? And I remember I was in my bedroom, and I just called the coach. And I was like, hey, I'm ready to commit. She was like, awesome news, whatever. So then I went downstairs, and I was like, hey, Dad, I just committed. He was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I just called her. He was like, why would you do that? Like, you didn't talk to me about it. I was like, there was, no t- there was nothing to talk about. Like, it was either there or you don't play college softball. And he was like, okay, that's fair. So I ended up committing there. And I can honestly say that that was the best decision that I ever made. And I did. I talked a lot of crap about Stan Jack, but I absolutely loved it there. And and what made you just, you know, just send a message like, okay, I'm going to commit. Like, what what about Stan Jack that, that made you choose them? Well, the very first thing was the fact that I didn't have anybody else. Like, they were the only offer that I'd had. Okay. It was my senior year. Things I was like, man, I don't. Who, who's to say I don't get hurt again? And I put all my eggs in one basket that will find something in the summer, and that doesn't work out. But also, when I talked to the coaches, the coaches were just always like, I say coaches, but really my assistant coach. And if you if anybody if you talk to anybody from San Jack, they'll be the first to tell you like, yeah, coach, our head coach. Not not this nice, warm, welcoming lady. Like, very straight to business. But our assistant coach, Kelsey, she was just like, yeah, like, she just felt like family, really, honestly. Like, from the first conversation that I had with her, it was like she had known me forever. Now, I didn't know at the time that she did know my dad because we're in the same area. My dad was a good coach. My dad apparently brought a lot of players to her. Like, when kids weren't having a great recruiting process, he'd be like, hey, go try San Jack. Like, and my, San Jack ended up taking a lot of the kids that my dad brought to them. So they, they knew each other. And it all kind of all just fell into place and worked out really well. But I would say the reason that I went there was, one, I didn't have anybody else. But, two, it felt like home there, like talking to the coaches. And then it was also close to home. Like, it was 30 minutes away from my house. I could go home whenever I felt like it. And it was nice. It was really nice. And it kind of just fell into place. Okay. Okay. So, so, you know, you, you, you talked about, you had two injuries 
right? Like, like how were how was your mental your mental mindset to just make sure that you keep going to try to pres- pursue the goal that you had just to play college ball, you know? Because having injury, one injury is could be real hard on somebody, but two injuries, you know, that's that's a little bit more, and then the second one was a little more, you know, severe than the first one. Right. So like what what was your mental mindset going through all this? Yeah, you know, it was it was hard. So my junior year when I had the surgery, I remember I'd missed probably like three weeks of school because I couldn't walk and they didn't let me into school with the wheelchair for whatever reason. So it was like, <laughs> no, really, it was it was weird. And I didn't understand why. But I also didn't question it because what kid wants to go to school? Right. <laughs> yeah. So I was doing things online and then probably one week after I had my surgery, cause I had my surgery and when COVID hit, it was like, okay, everybody goes home. Everybody went home for spring break and then nobody ever came back to school. And that was really my saving grace because let me tell you, I, I wasn't doing my online school whatsoever. <laughs> like, and, and honestly, and, and it sounds bad, but it's the truth. I, just was always so out of it because there's so many medications that you have to take when you have surgery, especially the one that I had. I was always in pain. I was crying all day long. Like it was really, really hard. And so the mental aspect of it, I'll be honest, was beating me up for about three months. Like I just was like really out of it. Didn't want to play. Didn't want to get up. And I remember my dad was like, well, yeah, you like you're hurt from the bottom, but like we can do upper body things. Like And I just remember always being like, no, like, I don't want to do it. Like, I don't feel good. I don't feel like myself. I don't want to do it. And honestly, the hardest part about it was that even everyday life was hard. Like, taking a shower was hard. Getting up out of bed first month, I I couldn't even sleep in my bed. I had to sleep on my couch because I couldn't move upstairs. And my bedroom was upstairs. Like, I physically couldn't get upstairs. So it was like I was sleeping on the couch. I was uncomfortable. And just to get up to use the bathroom, like, I needed assistance. I needed somebody else to come help me. And that, like, tore me down. It was bad. And then I remember that was that was the spring of my junior year. So we went into my senior year, and my dad was kind of like, hey, like, this is it. And I think that's what really, like, set in for me. Like, oh, crap, if I don't do something about it now, this will be the last year that I ever play softball. Like, if you don't figure it out right now, you're not playing anymore. And I think that was the one thing that kind of got me out of the the rut that I was in. Like, hey, you don't – and I didn't really have a choice. Like, I had a choice. But to me, it felt like I did it. Like, you either do something now, you figure it out, you get up, or you don't. And I think that's how I was raised. Like, my parents were always like, you're going to figure it. Like, you either figure it out on your own or you don't figure it out at all. Like, I'll be honest. They were – you can talk to them today. They're not the nurturing parents, the coddling, the – Let's do this. Like, let, like, no, it's either you figure it out or you don't. So yep. it was really hard. It was one of, I, I would say to date, probably one of the hardest things that I've had to go through. But, hey, we all figure it out. Like like my parents said, you're either going to figure it out or you're not. Right. Yeah. You built for it. They built you for stuff like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I know you went through all the injuries, but what, what could you have done better in high school to make you like a better softball college softball player one I actually think about this all the time because I think it even pertains to college was being comfortable being uncomfortable like being okay with not being comfortable with yourself because I remember freshman year playing third base 
didn't want to do it, wasn't comfortable. So I didn't have a great season because I didn't, I, I wasn't comfortable in the position that I was. And then coming back after my sophomore year on the injury, I played really scared because again, I wasn't comfortable. I, my body felt different. I wasn't where I was before. And even then I was like, eh, I had a good season, but I know in my head that I could have done way better. And then junior year after the surgery, that was like, again, now my body really isn't where I was at. Now I can feel, I feel slower. I look slower. I just, I was, again, I was uncomfortable and I didn't, I didn't really know how to manage that. And it wasn't until my senior year, you know, you get a little older, you mature a little bit that you start figuring out like, all right, well now, like now that that all happened, what are you going to do about it now? Like what are you going to sit, you're going to sit there and you're going to feel sorry for yourself or are you going to pick yourself back up? And I think that's where I picked myself back up. But even college, crazy enough, I, my coach asked me like, hey, what positions do you play? And this is how crazy it is. My assistant coach, she does all the recruiting. My head coach does very, very little recruiting. So I got there and I was like, what do you mean what position do I play? Like, you don't know? Like, you recruited me. And I was like, well, you know, you don't say that to your head coach, especially not the first week of school. <laughs> That's the last thing that you do. So I was like, oh, like middle infield and outfield. And she was like, okay. So she puts me in shortstop. There, made a lot of errors. Felt like I couldn't throw the ball. And I was just really down on myself. And I was like, gosh. And I remember then I made the excuse for the very first time, like, well, you know, I haven't played a full year in about three years. And it was like, what, what does that matter, though? Like, now looking back at it, like, why did that matter? So, like, you're there and you're there with everybody else. Like, you're getting the same opportunity. Everybody's just as good as you. Like, you have every right to be there. And I remember feeling like, man, I just don't feel like I belong here because I did it. I felt uncomfortable. I felt like part of me really felt like I should have gone – like, I had the opportunity to go D1, and I didn't take it, which I didn't. I didn't get the offer. So, like, no, you didn't, girl. Humble yourself. Bring it back down. But that's how I felt. And then I remember freshman year, my coach was like, hey, you're going to play third base for me. And I remember just being like, are you kidding me? Are you joking? Like, no. I, and I told – I now, this time, I'm a little more comfortable with her because this happened in conference. So, it was spring. We had a full semester go by, and I was like, coach – I told you I play outfield and middle infield. She's like, I know what you told me, and I don't care what you told me. And it's like, no, that really is how college is. Like, coaches just don't care. And it was like, okay. So I go out there, play third base. Had a, I had a good season. I won't say I had a great season. I did what I could. But, again, I still felt uncomfortable. I didn't, I didn't like it there. It's not where I wanted to be, so I didn't excel there. So I think the one thing that I wish I – what I wish I knew then that I know now is to just, like, get over it, like – you're going to be uncomfortable for the rest of your life. You're going to be put in situations that you don't want to be in. You're going to have to overcome things. So just get over it. Just like work with what you got. And I think I was too young then to realize what that meant. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so what, what was like your big, you know, difference that you had like going from high school to college? Uh, definitely. I would say, hmm, I would, I would definitely say the coaching. The, the lifestyle that it is, like, people people always make jokes about JUCO, like, oh, JUCO product, JUCO bandits, like, they get put through all kinds of things, and it's very, very true. Like, like I said, there are no rules in JUCO. There's very few, and it's, like, from col- high school, you know, you kind of get things handed to you in a sense, like, oh, this is what we're doing today. This is how this is going to go. Like, we're going to do this, and when you play college ball and you look back on high school ball, high school was easy. You had a two-hour practice. 
You did what you had to do. You caught some ground balls. You hit. You went home. College, especially in JUCO, was not like that at all. It was almost like a culture shock. Like, I was just, you know, I went on visits to D1s. I saw what their life was like. I saw a day in the life of them. And I think that I went into JUCO almost expecting the same thing. And I was very, very quickly, like, surprised. Like, okay, the, there's there's nothing handed to you here. Like, I remember we had group me and our coach would send out the schedule for the week. And it was up to you to make sure you were there on time. It was up to you to make sure that you got your meals in because there there are no meal plans. You don't get things handed to you. I think even, you know, me, me and my friends, we, we talk a lot about this. Like, even D1 seems a little bit easier than JUCO, you know? Like, you – it's really – like, you have – a an academic advisor, you, you're, yeah. you get your meals every day. You're told when you need to be at the wage. You're, you're living with your roommate. So it's hard to miss. Like that's not the case in Juco. Like you, you got your schedule for the week and it was like, here you go. You're either there or you're not. Yeah. So it was, it, it, it takes you a second to get used to it, but I will say you, you got to mature really quick. If you walk into Juco, walk any, walk into any college and you're not mature you got about two weeks to figure it out before you kind of fall on your face. Oh, man. That's, well, I mean, glad you was able to to get through all of that. And now we can, you know, move on to, to now, you know, you're, you're a first-year first year coach in, in the youth softball world, this crazy world we are, we are in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the nice way to put it. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, so what made you want to become a, a coach? Well, it's it started. So I remember after sophomore year, I, I I'd say, Jack, I put up really good numbers. And I remember my coaches telling me, like, Emma, you can it's almost like you can go anywhere. Like You can really pick a school when you're there because I put up such great numbers. And I remember I thought back, like I was thinking back on it and my it felt like I loved softball and I wanted to keep playing softball, but my heart wasn't in the competing aspect anymore. I kind of started shifting, like, what am I going to do for a job? What what per, what degree do I want to pursue? And I had a really hard conversation with my family, and I think it was more of a – I think it was harder on my family than it was me when I finally told them, like, hey, I don't know that I'm going to play softball anymore. And they were like, what? Like, what do you mean? And, like, nobody took me serious at all. And I always, I always knew like, I want, I want to keep doing softball, but I don't know that I want to keep playing. And enough, uh, it just so happened. I know Tim, Tim is a family member of mine. And he was like, Hey, I heard you're not playing anymore. He, his son is actually married to my sister. Okay. And they live right behind my house. So (laughs) I have to see them every single day. So I hear his son all day long, and I talk to him all the time because he plays softball. His daughters are trying to do the same thing I did. So we talk all the time, and he was like, I've got a team that needs a coach. And I was like, okay. He was like, do you want to do it? And I remember being like, I don't know. And I took a while to respond because I I really was just unsure of it. And I remember I talked to my dad about it, and, you know, my dad was a coach. He didn't coach anymore, thank God. He probably wouldn't be able to deal with this new generation of kids. Like, things okay. are just so different now than they were before. Yeah. And he was like, why Like why not give it a try? Like, your schedule allows for it. Like, you know, you're only in class one, two times a week. Like, why not just try it? And so I texted him back, and I was like, screw it. Let's do it. Like, what's the worst that could happen? And he was like, all right, I'm just telling you, though, like, 
dealing with the kids is the easy part. Like, it's, it's the parents you got to deal with. And I remember being like, man, come on. Like, whatever. Like, okay. And, like, I was always a really hard-headed kid. I've always been able to speak my opinion. I've always – if you can't tell, I talk a lot. I talk all day long. Like, it's real hard <laughs> to get me to be quiet. So I just remember being like, whatever. Like, who cares? Mm-hmm. And he was so right. I think now that we're probably like a month and a half into our season – and the kids are easy. Hmm. The kids and, and putting a practice plan out there and being able to put a lineup together, like, that's the easy part. It really is dealing with the parents. like, uh-huh. and, and that's what I think is so different now than it is then. And I hate to say this, and I may get a little little backlash for this, but I think this generation is a little bit sensitive, honestly. They're a little more sensitive that, than we were before. Yeah, that's not just – that's. Uh, I, I have the same opinion, and I have kids in this generation. And they soft. That, that, and that's really how I feel. Like, I remember just being like, like, I, I have two other assistant coaches. Well, I have three. There's three other coaches on our team. One of them, she plays with me. Her name is Peyton. We played. We grew up together. We played together. She played at Galveston College. I played at San Jack. So she, she helps me coach. And then we have two other coaches. And thank God for them because they do all the things that me and Peyton have no idea how to do. Like the do's and the management aspect of it, they're great at. We're not. We're just out there to teach some kids. Yeah. So they kind of, and I, I hate to say this because I hope they don't listen, but <laughs> it, it really, that was my first sense of like, okay, like these kids are soft. Like these kids, they get coddled. Like their parents, their parents are soft. And it was like, there, there's a certain, I remember them telling us like, you got to talk to these kids a certain way. And I remember looking at them like, what do you mean? Like, I wish I could tell my coach, hey, you got to talk to me a certain kind of way. Right. Like, absolutely not. And I think that's probably the hardest thing that me and her are dealing with now is, like, trying to tone it down a little bit. Like, we just got out of college. So, if you think coaches care about you then, they don't. Like, it's very, very cutthroat. I'm putting I'm putting out there who's going to win. And if you're not on it, get out of my face. You're wasting my time. Like, that's really how it was. So, I think that's the hardest part is having to, like, bring it back. But honestly, I would say as of now, at least, coaching has been really rewarding because it's like I now I can give back to the sport that gave me my whole childhood. Yeah. And I, I enjoy it. I really do. I enjoy every part of it. Not so much the parents, but being yeah. out there on the field with the kids is fun. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. If I have to say anything, I wouldn't hold back. I'm just saying. Yeah. That, you go, yeah you, you know. You'll get the players like, if they want to be soft, you know what I mean, like you say, like, like it's just it's it's a part of coaching. If you if you ask Tim, ask Tim not soft. Oh gosh, you know that's crazy. I have conversations with him about it all the time. Sometimes I call him after a tournament, and I'm like, dude, what's up with these kids? And he's like, I'm telling you, man, I'm telling you. And I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I don't know, I don't know how long that's gonna last. <laughs> that's the thing. You have to you have to just you have to be yourself because because if you change, and then if you try to go back, they're gonna be like. Hey, like what happened? Yeah, you know, like a few months ago. So I wouldn't, if I was you, I wouldn't change. If that, I mean, I'm not the best coach in the whole world, you know what I mean. But if if that's some advice I could give you, I wouldn't change the way you teach things. Like to try to be soft. Maybe maybe you have to, you know, change your wording around maybe a little bit. But like, I wouldn't. I would not be hard on them. If, if that makes sense. Yeah, I remember our first tournament. That was where, like, it really set in, like, okay, yeah, these kids aren't what kids used to be. Mm-hmm. And I remember we went back to um, 
the we went back to our next practice and I told my assistant coach I was like I'm almost scared to yell at him she was like why and I was like I, like I don't know I feel like they're gonna cry like I feel like they can't take it <laughs> and she was like well let's just try like let's just see what happens right and so I remember telling the kids like all right girls we're gonna condition I mean I think half the team hated me after that day and when I tell you we barely did any conditioning like they probably ran three or four sprints and we called it a day but I was like, it's 105 degrees outside. Like, if you think you're going to go out there and play seven games in a tournament and not be dead, like, come on. You got you got to do a little conditioning. And I remember yeah. the other two coaches, they were like, yeah, we didn't do this last year. And, I, and I again, I was like, okay, I have to bring it back, though. Like, I just came from college. You ran five, six miles a day, and that was normal. And I just remember now I'm just kind of like, whatever. Like, if you don't like it, you don't like it. If you're going to cry because you got yelled at, I guess you'll have to be on the bench, like. Yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. But yeah, that's that was the hard part. I was like, I, I'm scared to yell at him. Like, I feel like somebody's gonna like call her mom on me. They, look, um, the youth softball, they gonna call somebody on you if if you be nice. They gonna call somebody on you if you be hard. So if I was just be yourself. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually the problem that I'm running into. I remember after yeah. we did that first round of conditioning, Tim called me. He was like, Hey, maybe not so much conditioning. And I was like, okay, one, how do you know that? Like, you were in that practice. Mm. Two, I was like, we didn't do a whole lot. Like, if I'm being honest, Tim, we didn't run a whole lot. He was like, well, what'd you do? And I told him, he was like, well, you got to consider, like, these kids have never done that. I was like, well, we got to start somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. You you either throw them in there and let them sink or swim. Like, that's kind of the route that I'm going to take. And so once me and him were on board with that, now we're like, okay, well, now when he gets phone calls from parents and it's like, we don't agree with this, he's kind of like, that's her coaching style. You either – Get on the boat yeah. or you jump off. That's on you. That's how it's going to have to be. Yeah. So right, um, we've been doing really good. So Yeah, that, that's good. That's good because the team started off, you know, they had a few that did other things. So, you know, the team was real slept on. So it's good to see the things y'all done, especially this past weekend. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. I'm talking to Tim. He's kind of like this team. Like I remember at the beginning, he was like, I just really wanted to develop these girls. And yeah. I was like, that's what you want for me? And he was like, yeah. I said, I want to win. Like, <laughs> I don't want to lose. Like, I'm sorry, but we're we're not going to lose. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. And so after this weekend when we won, he was like, well, I guess you, you were there to win, huh? And I was like, I told you. Like, yeah. just give me a few weeks with these girls. We're going we're gonna to get them into shape. Mm-hmm. And I remember that's- he even he watched the game. And he was like, wow, like, that's that's a different set of girls. And I was like, I think they just needed some coaching. And I'm not yeah, saying I'm the best coach. You know, this is my first time ever being coach. I'm used to being a player. Yeah, but, but the college, you know, the yeah, knowledge. I was like, but I, let me tell you one thing. I know how to run a practice because I've been through about five, 600 practice plans in my <laughs> two years at San Jack. Mm-hmm. Like, practices, I wish now. I'm like, y'all, y'all are upset at a two-hour practice. Like I said, Juco doesn't have rules. We get out there at 12 o'clock, and we're not going home until 5, 6 o'clock. And it was like, where did we go wrong? And I remember my coach being like, you're not going to go home until you figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's, and she that's meant that everything. Yeah, that's how it is. That's how it is. They, they got to get used to it someday. That's what I always tell my girls. I'm like, I don't think y'all realize, like, who are you going to call when you're in college? Like, if you want to take it as far as you can, you're really going to tell your coach, hey, you can't yell at me. Coach, I don't want to do that today. Like, that's not how it works, girls. And I think they still don't get it because they're young and college is so far away from them that it's probably not even a thought to them. I'm pretty sure they're all like, yeah, I want to play, but whatever. 
like they don't really sit there and think about it. And so I try to tell them, but again, I have to realize their age and understand that they're not, they're not there yet to really process what all I'm saying, like what I'm, what I'm saying even matters. Like they're not there yet. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, being, being a player, like you said, and just, you know, you're fresh from college, like how, how do you approach, like, you know, teaching, teaching the, the fundamental skills to the, to the girls? Well, okay. So that's actually, it was a lot easier than I thought because when you get to college, I think what people don't realize is that fundamentals are like, like they're the foundation of playing the game. And so when you get to college, at least when you got to San Jack, it was like, you're learning to throw again. You're learning the proper way to catch a ground ball because the second that you can do that, you're already way opponent. Like when you can master to play catch, and my coaches always say it, like, if you can play catch, just know that you're probably better than half the teams we're going to go out there and face. If you can play catch properly, you can hit somebody in the chest. If you can have the right footwork, if you can have the right arm motion, if you can have a good transfer. And I think that really, really helped me when I got to be a coach because it was like, I remember my friend at my friend Peyton, the other one that I coached with, she was like, where do we start? And I was like, don't worry. I know exactly where to start. Like, I've got about 8,000 drills on the proper way to catch a ground ball. I've got another 1,000 on how to throw a regular ball. And it was like, so when you got there and you kind of, I remember the first practice, I kind of let them. Like, I was just hitting ground balls, and I was like, let's see where we're at. And I remember thinking to myself, like, okay, we're a little better than I thought, but we're, we're, not, we're not great. We're not close to good yet. We're almost there, but we're not there. Like, we got to work on some things. So when we, what we do at practice is a lot of fundamentals. And I think that's why the girls are getting so much better. Not even better, but they just look cleaner. Like, mm-hmm. the plays that they make are clean. The throws are clean. Like, now, I will say this. The one thing that I haven't figured out how to get these girls to do is communicate. Mm-hmm. That's the one thing that I'm still struggling with. And you know what? I can't even be mad because that was our biggest thing at San Jack. It was like, why does nobody open their mouth? So it's going to be a constant thing, but we're, we're slowly getting there. But fundamentally, like, that's why it was so easy to start teaching these kids because that's what we focused so much on at San Jack. Like, we never really did any of these crazy drills. And, like, you know, sometimes you see these drills on social media and it's like, what is going on? <laughs> like, okay, how did we come up with that? And it's like, because honestly, like, a lot of even our, our infield things, like I, I can't speak too, too much for outfield, which is why I'm so blessed to have Peyton because she was an outfielder at Galveston. So where I like, she exceeds. Okay. But when, even when we do infield, it's like, it's really simple. Like do your everyday. I remember when I got there and I was like, hey girls, let's do everydays. They didn't even know what that was. Uh-oh. And I was like, what? What do you mean? You don't know what everydays are. So it was really like starting from square one with that but now first 30 minutes of practice we don't us coaches don't even have to say anything like they know you got to run you got to stretch got to do your everydays you got to throw then once you do all that then we can have a conversation Mm -hmm. yeah that's that's yeah that's a big difference so that's gonna mean that 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 little change right there is is what shows on on the field once they once they get all the fundamentals down, then it's basically just everything. Just keeping your head down on the ball and, and all that stuff they do is, is like, you know, it's, it's the same thing that happens on the field. It's just the ball coming a little bit harder. Yep. And I, I'll be honest, I tell the girls all the time, like, I'm 
as about as hard as a college player can. So if you can catch my ground ball right here, you should have no issue catching a 12-year-old's ground ball. Right. And yeah. I every time we get to a game, we're like, she hit that hard. I'm like, does she hit that harder than I've hit that? And they're like, no. I'm like, all right, then be quiet. Catch the ball. <laughs> in front of it. Do something. Stop it with your body. That's what I tell the girls all the time. Like, if, you, if you're not going to catch it, at least put a knee down. Stop it with your body. It's going to hurt. But, hey, maybe then you still got a chance to make a play. And I think that's yeah. the one thing that they – that's starting to click with them now is like I tell them all the time, like you're there's gonna be times where you're gonna have to sacrifice your body. Like you're gonna have to throw your body out there and just get the job done. Now not on the hitting side. I I know as far as getting hit by pitches, I got hit by pitch this past year and that was the first time I got hit by pitch since I was in like eighth grade. Like one thing about me is I was gonna run away from a ball when I was in the batter's <laughs> box. I wasn't getting hit. Mm-mm. <laughs> You gotta I, take- I even remember I tried to get out of the way of a ball that got pitched to me, and the girl was just throwing way too hard. Like, I had no reaction time. By the time I tried to move, I just got stuck. Jeez. That's crazy. Yeah, so That's I was telling the girl, like, sacrifice your body. It'll hurt, but you'll get over it. Yes, right. So um, what what strategies do you use to motivate, you know, motivate the, the player, you know? Like now that, I mean, they probably know, you know, this year, this your first team, you know, maybe some players like she's never coached before, you know, why should I listen to her? But, you know, knowing your background, I'm pretty sure that's not your case. So like, what do you do to motivate and and encourage these girls to be the best they can be? I, I always tell the girls like, you know, like, one, I think one of the easiest things to do is, like, do you want to play college softball? Do you want to keep playing? But not not only that, it's, like, I always tell the girls, like, why, why, why wouldn't you want to come out here and get better every day? Why wouldn't you want to prove something to yourself that you thought you couldn't do? Like, because a lot of girls, a lot of, a lot, at least a lot of my kids, sometimes we do certain things, we do certain drills, and they're like, I can't do that. And I'm like, you can't. Maybe you're right, like. I, I hate that there's no such thing as I can't. Sometimes there is. Sometimes you really can't do it. <laughs> but why not prove to yourself, hey, I'm a little bit stronger than what I came in here today. I'm a little bit stronger than I thought I was. And that's why I tell the girls all the time, like, if you can get 1% better every day, imagine what you can do in a year. Imagine the, the results that you see. And I tell the girls all the time, we're not worried about the results right now. Right now, the results don't matter. What What matters is that we're learning something, is that, we're, we're getting down a foundation. We're understanding the basics of the game. Like, the results will come, but first we got to work on this. And even now, sometimes I tell the girls, <laughs> like, they make an error or whatever in practice, and I'm like, come on, you know, you yell at them. And they're like, yeah. coach, results don't matter right now. Like, didn't <laughs> you say that? And I'm like, you're, you're right. I did say that. But that was a bad angle. Like, we, our foundation wasn't there, though. And they're like, okay, you beat me. And so I think just letting the girls know, like, Prove to yourself that you can that you're better than what you thought you are. Like surprise yourself. I think that's really what gets to them. Because again, they they want to play college. Everybody at this age wants to play college softball, but they don't know what it's gonna take yet. They're too young to get that. Mm-hmm. And so yeah. I think if you just like kind of encourage them to prove themselves wrong, that's where they start. That's where things start clicking for them. Like okay, you're right. Like I didn't think I could do that, but I did it. So now what? Now what's next? And, like, now I can I can honestly say that when I came in there, the girls, they were ready to play softball. Now when we go to practice, they're hungry. Like, they want 
they want to retain the information. And I think that's also like you as a coach, you got to get a little bit of respect from your players first. Mm-hmm. Like you got to have that respect foundation first before we can start moving on. So I remember in practice, I told him like, look, I just got done playing college softball. I don't know what it means to coach kids. Hell, your parents probably think I'm a <laughs> Right now, I know how to play softball. And that's probably something your parents don't think. Because they tell me all the time, like, well, my dad was my coach. Did your dad play softball? I don't right. think so. At all. <laughs> like, I, and I tell them all the time, like, you, a, a dad, he can be a great coach. But he can't tell you about the softball aspects. He can't, like. You know, like, when he played baseball, and I, well, people don't understand, and some do. People who play the sport get it. Like, baseball is a much slower sport than softball is. Much slower. Like, yeah. you get to softball, and it's, like, it, it's fast-paced. Their seconds matter. Like, a split second is the difference between a ball game. For real. And, and that's what I tell these kids. Like, and they're like, well, I threw the ball, and I'm like, but your transfer was slow. Like, well, what does it matter? It, it don't matter. You'll realize. You'll get it one day. One day when you didn't get that girl out by half a step, I'll look at you and tell you that's because your transfer is slow. And that's what I tried to tell you a month ago. Mm-hmm. And what's, what, since we, since you brought up, you know, the transfer, what's, what's something like, you know, some dr- drills or something that you work with the girls that, that helped them with uh, a faster transfer? Well, Really, and we did it at San Jack, is starting your infield every day and starting ground balls and all that without a glove. If you can learn to catch a ground ball, and I don't hit them at the girls, obviously, but I roll them to them. Mm-hmm. If you can learn to catch a ground ball without a glove using just your bare hands, you'll realize that once you put a glove on, it's 10 times easier. Like mm-hmm. the hand-eye coordination, the being quick, the being sharp, like it's much easier and Everything that I do with the girls, like, even when I roll them to them, when they roll their everydays to each other, I always tell them, like, I want you to make a quick transfer. Act like you're going to throw to first every single time. I don't care what we're doing. I'm never going to roll you a ball and you just toss it right back to me. That is pointless. We could do that all day long. We won't get anywhere. Like, everything that we do, make a throw to first. Act like you're going to make a throw to first. Transfer. Be sharp. Be quick. Because, and I, I tell them all the time, like, you got to build good habits. Like, they're not just going to come. Like, you've got to build them. And that's why we actually, every before we do anything, we run. I, I make these girls run till they're about, not, not until they're about to pass out. Let me not say that. <laughs> I, I might get in trouble for that one. But they, they run. They run until they're tired. And I always tell them, and that's actually, I learned this from my dad. Like, if you can make good habits when you're tired, it is that much easier to do the right thing when you're not. When you're, in, when you're in a game and it's time for you to catch a ground ball, that's, like, second nature. So I always tell them, like, you know, everything we're going to do, it, you have, there's a purpose behind everything. And if we're just going to sit here and you're going to kind of half-ass it, then you can get out of the line. So I, I tell them all the time, like, everything you do, make sure it's sharp. Do something sharp. And, of course, there's a bunch of little drills that you can do, but uh-huh. there's nothing like catching a ground ball and making a throw. That's going to teach you how to do it. Yeah. That's that's smart. I never heard of that. That's the first time I heard of that one. That drill. Which hmm. one? With the bare hand? The bare hand, yeah. Yeah. The hand. That's the first time I heard that one. And we and we did it at San Jack, and we used to we actually used to do it with ping pong balls. Let me tell you, that was hard. Jeez. That that <laughs> was that that'll teach you to put your eye on a ball. Well, yeah, for real. You can barely see it from the beginning. So you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I'll, 
that's what that's why I say it, it was a little bit easier to coach because I was coached so well. Like they were great coaches. My coaches were great. Okay, though. that's good. That's good. Um, you know, so you know, being a first year coach, um, how do you, you focus on each girl's um player development and and also, you know, making sure they're learning multiple positions. Wait, what was, I'm sorry, what was the question? Um, so, you know, being a first-year coach, how do you focus on girls' player development and making sure they're learning multiple positions? Oh, well, I think it's fairly – I tell the girls, a lot of parents come – or a lot of my kids' parents come up to me and they're like, hey, we really want her to catch. And I'm like, okay, but, like, what else? Like, you know, the more positions that you learn, the better that you are, the quicker that you are, the more athletic that you are. I think it's easy, for me at least, to be a coach because I sometimes I put a line about there and a girl is playing a position that she doesn't usually play and she looks at me crazy. And I'm like, what? She's like, I don't play there. I'm like, that's fine. Like, that's okay. But you're going to today. Like, you might not have done it before, but now you will. And I always have to tell the girls, like, again, surprise yourself. Like, you – I think – and that's where I say these kids are soft, that they're always so used to being in their comfort zone that they've never had to step outside of it. And so as a coach, it's really easy to get them to step outside of it when you control where you put them, when you control what drill we're going to do. And one of the things that I think has helped – our girls tremendously, or I would say as a team, is that every single one of my players, no matter what position they play, they will all do our outfield every day. They will all do outfield drills, and then they will all do infield drills. And there are some girls on my team who will never touch the outfield. Like, they're an infielder, and they're never going to touch the outfield. But they absolutely will do the drills because who's to say they don't one day? And it's good. And you know what? It's running. You know, you put them in the outfield, and now they're tired. It's like, well, there's a little bit of conditioning. We got that out the way. So I think that's just getting everybody to do everything. So that way I get less looks of like, hey, I don't know what I'm doing out here when I finally have to put somebody out in the outfield or in the infield. I'd say it's fairly easy as a coach because, you know, you you can tell the kids to do whatever they want. And they, at the end of the day, they don't really have a choice but to listen, you know? (laughs) Right. That's, hey, that's true. But it's it's just, it's so many these days, you know, these kids that, they're learning just just one position growing up, and when they finally get older into a you know a team, where you know you got somebody that's already at that position or something like that, mm-hmm. so it's like it's always good to know other positions. And I always tell the girls like, don't do what I did. Don't be scared to play another like. And it's funny to think about it now because now that I've played college and it's like third base is pretty much just shortstop like all of the infield it's not the same but it's the same foundation I, there was even a point at San Jack where I was playing for I, I'm 5'2 I have zero business there but my coach told me like it's the same thing it's the same thing as playing second base it's the same thing as third base and so that's what I try to get to my kids now because that's what helped me like when you're in the infield it doesn't matter what position you're at in the infield the foundation is still the same when you're in the outfield, it doesn't matter where you're at. There's a, there's a set foundation that still applies to every single position, infield or outfield. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. So, what 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 techniques do you use to to build players' confidence on and off the field? 
Uh, one thing that I always tell my kids, and even when they're up to bat, is I always tell them, like, just trust yourself. Like, because I think one of my biggest pet peeves is watching one of my kids or watching anybody take a half swing when they're up to bat. Like, if you're going to swing the bat, swing the bat. Like, just go for it. Like, you're going to be surprised at what happens. So now I tell them all the time, like, if you're going to check swing, you got to get off the field. Like, we go for it. Like, just trust your instincts. Trust that you have been trained enough to know what to do in a game. And every single time, after every single time one of my kids check swings or they take a strike or they they take it, I, I like to call it an aggressive take, but it was still a strike. And they always look at me with kind of these big eyes. And I'm like, hey, like, trust yourself. Like, get over it, whatever, let it go. And I, and I always have to tell my kids, like, in softball, in any sport, really, you got to have a short-term memory. You got to be able to let things go. You got to be able to forget about it because it's a failure sport at the end of the day. At the end of the day, great players still fail more than they succeed. And that's what I always tell my kids. Sometimes they come in the dugout with their head down like, oh, I just popped it up. Like, you're right. And you're going to do it a thousand more times before you're done with the sport. So if you can't get over it right now, what is that going to tell you about yourself in a year? And that's what I, you know, you got to, it, there's, that's, and that's where I say these kids are soft. I think they need a little bit more mental coaching than we did when we were kids. Oh, yeah. Like they, they need a little bit more help. And honestly, not even the athletic side, because I've gone to some of these tournaments and I'm like, what 12 year old is throwing 60 miles an hour? How is like, when I was playing, like if you were 12 years old and you were throwing 60 miles an hour, coaches were going to start looking at you like this kid's probably taking something like there's just no way. But it's so normal now. And so now it's not even teaching these kids the athletic side of it and the sport. It's having to train them mentally. And that was probably one of the next lessons that I learned was like, hey, these kids are good. They just aren't good up in the head. Like mentally, they're not, they don't trust themselves. They're not confident. They lack the mental aspect of it. And that's the hard part to teach. That's the hard part, really. And in any sport, even in college, like being mentally strong was harder than playing the game. And it always has been. And it's always going to be. Yeah, so I think that's where it, I got to teach him. Back back in the day, you know, you couldn't really talk about, you know, being mentally like something wrong. Oh, I can't do this because of this. Mm-hmm. Everybody would call you like soft for sure. Yeah. <laughs> now yeah. you call a kid soft and it's like, really? Yeah. How are you going to say that about a kid? Like, it's true, though. Like, I'm sorry, but it's true. Yeah. So I think oh, yeah. that that's where – I'm that's where I would say that as a coach, I'm still learning like, hey, you don't tone it down a notch, but know how to talk to these kids and understand that these kids, they don't respond to a certain kind of communication. Uh Yes. And I think that teaches me too. like that's it also is something that still helps me. Like, I think for so long, it was always so cutthroat and it was always honestly like really just aggressive. Like the way that my dad talked to me, the way that my high school coaches talked to me, my college coaches, everything was so aggressive and sometimes it hurts your feelings. And I have to take a step back now and be like, Hey, you kind of like, you need to learn a new form of communication. So I would say that it helps me too. Like these girls help me in ways that they don't even know and probably don't care either. (laughs) Honestly, you know, kids are kids. Kids. Oh yeah. They only, really and truly they're selfish and I think that's that's kind of the fun part is to see like these kids 
Like they only like they just want to go out there and they every time they just want a base hit. And it's like, dude, like I some I have my kids come in the dugout and they're like, I just got out. I'm like, okay, but you scored a run. I know, but I got out. And I'm like, how much more selfish can you be? Yep. Like if I was in college and I got and I got out, but I scored a run, I'm coming to the dugout celebrating, feeling like I'm on top of the world. Oh yeah, and yeah. and that's what I had to like for a while. It took mine me to like get my oldest to understand. Like, yeah, it's like getting out is part of the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, see, when she would out, get out and start crying right away, crying to the dugout. And I'm like, what you crying for? Like, and so I think she was like five, six at that time, you know, seven. She's starting, I'm like, okay, now you're old enough to kind of pay attention. Like, pay attention. I don't want to sit down for one you know, full softball game, watch watch an inning and watch how these girls, they're going to get out more than they get on base. Uh-huh. So you have to, like, the crying, you need to get over it or you need to quit, one of the two. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah. and speaking of having them watch the game, I tell my kids all the time, like, if you want to play college softball, don't you think the smartest thing to do would be watch it, learn from it? Yeah. Like I, so I, I asked my, I remember the first, one of the first questions I ever asked my team was like, who here has watched college softball? And I would say probably two people rose their hand. And it honestly, it kind of took me back. I, I really expected like the whole team to be like, oh yeah, I watch it. And my next thing was going to be like, okay, now watch it and try to learn something. But I was like, okay, well, if we don't even watch it guys, like what, what are we doing? Like, if that's where you want to be one day, why not watch it? Why not learn? Yeah. From it? And I, and I got that from one of my coaches, Coach Ivor, I think I mentioned her, she was the very first one to tell me, like, dude, if you want to play there, wouldn't it just be smart? Like, why wouldn't you just watch it? Like, why wouldn't you get a feel for it? And so now I even watch it today, and I don't play anymore. And I'm looking at it, still trying to learn something, still trying to be like, oh. And I remember, I think I did this. I did this more in high school than I did in college. But I would watch a girl swing, and I'd be like, "Ooh, I want to learn that swing. Like, I want to kind of, I want to try that, see what it looks like." And yeah. it's very, very minor things, and you really do find like some things end up working for you, and some don't. Like most majority of the time, whatever you see on TV and you try to reciprocate it, it's not gonna happen. But yeah. there, there are very few times where I remember one time I saw this girl. I think it was like one of the first times that I had seen it in softball. A girl have like a really high leg kick when she was hitting. And I kind of looked at it, and I was like, and she, of course, she hit a home run. And so I was like, dude, I can do that. Like, what? I can do that. And I remember we had a, a softball game. We were playing fall ball or something. It didn't matter. It mattered, but not really. Wasn't mm-hmm. a favorite game or anything. And I tried it, and I that was the first time that I even got close to hitting home run. And so I tried it again for, like, a month again until it didn't work for me anymore. But, like, that's the fun of it. Like, that's the fun about the sport is that you can change so many things. Like, you can have so many different approaches and – at the end of the day, you're still going to fail. Majority then you're not. So why yeah. not give it a go? Oh, yeah. That's for sure. You're going to always this, you always fail. Yeah. Always. <laughs> but that's why I tell my something. kids, like, why? I don't. And that's, that's the part that I still don't understand is, like, why are you upset? Yes. Like, do you realize that that's going to happen to you again? Probably 50 more times in just this tournament you're going to get out. Like, why are you so upset at yourself? Yes. And, and honestly, it's almost frustrating as a coach because you know the answer and you wish your kids did. You wish yeah. your kids understood it the way that you did. 
Yes, yes, and they, and I and I try to tell them like, hey, like you do the same thing to to these girls. You get them out. Like mm-hmm. that's that's what the game is. That's how the game is played. You try to get each other out. Sometimes you're gonna get them out. They are gonna get you out. Like you know what I mean. You're not crying if you get them out, right? Exactly. So what's the point of crying now? <laughs> so you um. How do you approach, you know, teaching base running and like situational plays? Do you incorporate a lot of it in practice or or how do you do it? That's actually, um, that's ironic that you say that because I can confidently say that base running is our worst part of our team. The Mm. worst part. And sometimes I look at it and I'm like, has anybody ever been taught it? And one of the easiest things to really knock two, knock two, of them out at one time is to have the girls base run while also going through situationals like in practice. So there's some times where I'm like, Hey, for right now, we're not going to have an outfield. Cause you know, you only have so many girls on your team. It's not like college where you carry 24 kids and you can put a whole lineup out there and still have a whole nother lineup to run. So sometimes I tell the girls like, Hey, we're just going to do infield. Like we're going to work on some infield things and situationals. And they're like, okay, And then I start telling them, like, yeah, we're going to put runners on. And that's where you can really see the panic set in. Like, you, that's where you learn, like, okay, they really don't know how to do it. And so I'll be honest, I really – it's hard to, like, walk them through it. Like, hey, once we get the ball, two, then you got to do this. And it's like, no, might as well just throw them out there. Throw them out there, see what they do. See what – and I always tell the kids, like, trust yourself. Go off instinct. Nine times out of ten, your instinct is right. And if it's wrong, at least you did it at 100%. And yeah. that's why I always come back to, like, just trust yourself. Like, trust that you know the game. And if you don't, learn. Once you make that error, now you learn from it. Now we keep going. But as, honest, as far as base running, that's one thing that we have still yet to kind of figure out. Cause, and I, I'm, not at third, I'm not at first base. I coach third base. But my other coach, Peyton, she coaches first base. And she comes in the dugout every single inning. And she's like, dude, they don't round at first base. Like, they run straight to the bag, and then they're practically in the outfield by the time they make it to second base. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always tell the kids, and so I remember the other day, I told them, I was like, look, I'm going to stand right here. And if you hit me because you don't round the base, just keep going to the fence. Like, don't even stop. Just keep going. Every single one of them hit me. And I was like, I am not a, I am not a moving target. Like, I am right here. Like, and that's kind of where you got to – that's where the patience kicks in. That's where you got to be patient as a coach. Yeah. Sometimes I I find myself getting frustrated so quickly, and it's because I'm putting myself in their shoes, and I'm like, I know if I was in that situation, I wouldn't have hit her. But it's like, you got to understand, again, you're not – you're not coaching you. You're coaching a bunch of kids that haven't really been taught by – and I I don't want to say haven't been taught by the greatest coaches – but haven't been taught that extra part of the game that matters. The little things, because it's true, the little things always matter. They're always going to matter more. Yeah, base running is very, very important. That one little turn can predict if you're going to be out, safe or out. Yeah. <laughs> so, I remember even this weekend, one of my kids, she had a ball to the fence. Uh, before she even rounded second, first base, I had my hands up. I was like, stop there at second base. I, me and her made eye contact. And she kept coming at three, and she was safe. And then she looked up, and she was like, sorry, coach, I just couldn't stop my legs. <laughs> and I just kind of, like, I laughed, and I was like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean? What do you mean? 
And she's like, I was just going too fast. I couldn't stop, Coach. Like, I really just couldn't stop. And, like, she was apologizing to me. And I was like, dude, it's fine. Like, again, that's where I tell you, trust yourself. Like, you know you you know you more than I know you. Right. And, yeah. he, I, and I can't even be mad at that because I did that with my coach all the time. I always thought that I could stretch a double into a triple. I always thought. And she was like, dude. And sometimes, I, oh, God, I would get chewed out because I would get out. And she was like, what the, like, what are you doing? Like, I told you not to come. And I always told her, like, I, I thought I had it. Like, I thought I was better. She's like, well, you're not. Well, clearly. <laughs> I see clearly. now. Yeah, I know that now. She's like, that's why you listen. <laughs> so oh. It's funny now because, like, my coach did it. And less than, not even six months later, I'm sitting here preaching the same thing. Like, listen to me. You don't know yeah. more than me. But, again, you got if you tell them to trust themselves, you can't be mad when they do. Right. Yes. And yep, you're right. And that's that's so funny. Like that, I couldn't stop myself. Yeah, that was that was a funny one. That's the things that I've heard that something like that before. So it's like like it, I was cracking up right there when I just heard that. Like that's <laughs> it. Just because these kids they think of stuff like that. That's what they think of to say. And it's like we were growing up, we would never say nothing like that. Like what? And if you do, it's it's more along the lines of, hey, I thought I could make it. Like, I thought yes, that I was yes. going to make it. Not that I just couldn't stop I myself. couldn't stop myself. Like, that, yeah, that, that one was crazy. Honestly, in the, the month and a half that I've been coaching, there's so many things that these kids have told me. And that I even tell all the other coaches, and I tell the parents sometimes, like, sometimes when they open their mouth, I'm a little scared for what's about to come out. <laughs> like, I, I truly, like, have to brace myself, like, oh, God, what is she going to say? Yeah. Yep, kids say the darnest things. Oh man, the kids are crazy. Yeah. yeah. So, what what are the most important life lessons you aim to teach these young girls? Com- really, the I would say the number one thing is confidence. Like confidence in your ability, confidence in yourself. Like, because without it, you're 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 never gonna get to where you want to be. You know, if you're constantly questioning yourself and you constantly feel like. Oh, but I don't know if I can do that. Like I, and that's why I always teach girls like have some confidence up there. Like, and and I and I've even told him in practice like this isn't just a softball lesson. Like this is a life lesson. Like mm-hmm. you, you're too young to know now, but you're gonna reach a point where hey, if you don't have confidence and if you don't have faith in your abilities, you're gonna fail. You're you're gonna fail. And so you, I always tell him like you know, you know your body more than I know your body. You know what you're capable of more than I know what you're capable of. You you got to be able to trust yourself in, in, in anything you do, in school and in any other sport that you choose to play outside of softball. Because I always recommend playing other sports. And solely is because I never got to. But I always tell them, like, in the other sports that you play, in the classroom, in life, like, have some confidence. Like, yeah. it goes a long way. It radiates off you when – Cause, and I tell the kids all the time, and I remember I had to point out to one of my girls on the bench. There was a kid that went up to bat. We were playing against her. And she went in there, and she just kind of had this look of, like, yeah, I'm about to hit the ball. And what? Like, give me something to hit. And I, one of my kids, she, she was on the bench, not for reasons of not being good enough, but she had just pitched the game. And I looked at her, and I was like, do you see her confidence out there? She was like, yeah. And I was like, it's radiating to you, right? Like, it, like you can see it, and it's, not, it's unavoidable, right? And she was like, yeah. I said, imagine if you went out on that mound and you look like that. What what would those hitters feel? Intimidated. Yeah. And like that, that's what it comes down to is like when you show that you're when you have a, a good presence on the field, 
in life, it radiates and it's, and it's almost contagious. Like when, when you're confident, then they're confident in you. Then, then, then it starts coming together. And then that's actually when I learned that lesson in, in college, actually. And I didn't learn that until probably, actually, I think we were, it was our last ever tournament that we played at regionals this past year. And my coach was like, if y'all all shared the confidence that your pitcher had, imagine where we'd be. And I think that's kind of where I looked at her and I was like, oh my gosh, you're right. Like every time she goes on the mound, she means business. Why can't I look like that at the, in middle infield? Why can't I look like that up to bat? And that was probably the best performance that I ever had in a weekend. And that was just solely because I changed my mindset a little bit. That's why I tell the girls, like, your mindset is everything. Your mental state is everything. It determines majority of what goes on. Because I tell the girls all the time, like, this game is, yeah, it's physically hard, but it, mentally it's even harder. Like, if you oh, can yeah. be strong mentally, you'll be surprised what you do. Yeah, Mo, it's, it's hard, for, hard for sure. Yeah. I still be wondering how they do it. <laughs> no, honestly, sometimes I watch these, especially at the D1 level, because, you know, that, that that is one thing that, like, you know, D1s, they do. They go out there and, and they make majority of almost everything look easy. And everything is done. With, it looks like, you know, cause, because you've played this sport, it's like, man, she, she filled that ground ball with some grace. Like, that looked beautiful. Yeah. And it's like, you can see the confidence in every, in every, on the, that's, that's one thing at the D1 level that I think separates like JUCOs and D3s is that there's a certain level of mental, like mental capacity and, and confidence and really just faith in their abilities that you can't avoid when you watch it. Mm-hmm. And that's what takes it. And I, I think that that's what takes them so far is that I'm like, yeah, you, you look at her and she looks like, yeah, yeah, I'm about to hit. I am. Or you look at this picture and it's like, yeah, I'm going to strike you out. Give me your best and I'll give you mine. And that's why it's so fun to watch because it's like, that's the top of the top, you know? Yeah. We're, we're very new into the whole professional thing for softball. So for a long time, it was like the best that you could do in softball was play D1. So if you made it there, you made it to the to the pinnacle of it all. You made it to the top. Yes, for sure. Yep, for real. Now they have, you know, the the, the league now. So it's a little bit, you know, not We're many growing. Make We're it totally growing. Yeah. yeah, so, you know, by the time my kids get up there, hopefully it's, it's grown a whole lot more. So we just pray that it keep growing as fast as it, as it is now. Yeah, that's fun. It's fun to watch that. Mm-hmm. It really is. It's really nice to watch the game grow as big as it has. And it's like, it, of course, it's not baseball by any means, especially not right. here. But it's like, man, like I remember I was when we were watching. I was watching the World Series this year, and they have like three levels to the Hall of Fame Stadium. I remember going there when I was in like seventh, eighth grade. And it was just that first row of bleachers. They didn't have anything in the outfield. It was, and even looking at that, I remember being like amazed, like "Holy cow! Like this is the biggest softball stadium ever." Live TV this year. Like yeah. I, I remember having to like call my dad to literally tell my mom, like, "Look at it! Like, do you see how many levels there are?" And even <laughs> they were like, "Whoa!" And I was like, "That's crazy, huh?" And it's, it's really fun to see that, and it's, it gives me a lot of hope. And I'm like, man, like, sure, I didn't get to experience that, and I was. That wasn't all there when I was growing, but to be able to coach kids now and be like, hey, but you can, like, show them where they can get, hey, you can get to that point. Like, I think that's really exciting. Yeah, they they, they smart now. They have a, you know, a softball tournament over there. Oh, yeah. The same weekend. So, 
And you know, that's that's gonna that stadium gonna keep getting a little bigger. Yeah. <laughs> them, you know. And no, and honestly, oh. softball really is turning into like a money game. Huh. Like about- you see all these these guys, these male sports, and it's like, oh, it's always been about money. And for a long time, it was like softball wasn't about money. Softball was about creating great athletes. Oh, now it is. Now it one hundred percent is. Oh yeah. And hey, yeah. that's how you have to grow the game. At the end of the day, like people talk down on it, and I've heard other. People be like, "That's crazy! I don't like the way it's turned into." But I love it. That's how you grow your game. That's how you grow. Like if you it. if you have passion for this sport and you really enjoy it and you want to see it succeed, it's gonna take some money. That that's just that's the name of the game in this world is money. Yeah, buddy. No, yeah, for sure. How do you balance competitiveness and sportsmanship within your team? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a good one. So I, I always tell the girls, oh, I, I won't say always. I've had very few conversations about it because I really haven't experienced it where I feel like my kids aren't being good teammates or good opponents to the other team. But I always tell them, like, hey, you do know, like, you got to be humble. Like, we, we can go out there. There was a situation this weekend. We went out there. We, we beat a team pretty bad. And the girls came off like, oh, yeah, we're, they're, they're not that good. And I tell them, like, you wait. You wait because there's going to be a point this season where we go out there and we play a team that whoops us that bad and they will say the same thing about you. Yeah, they weren't that good. We're always going to beat them. And so I always have to tell the girls, hey, you still have to be humble. And I don't even know if they know what that means. But I say it anyways. <laughs> and I'm like, you, you got to hold yourself. Like, you got to have a certain kind of composure. And you can have confidence, but you can have confidence and still still be a good teammate, still be so, – a uh, a respectable opponent. And I think that's where it comes into, like, you you can have – you want the respect, but you also have to be able to give it. And you're not going to get it without giving it. Right. Well, and so I, I always got to tell my kids, like, be humble. Like, you, you might have whooped them today, but who – we I promise you, and I can bet on it right now. And, you know, it, they're kind of like, why would you say that? It's true. We're going to go out there and we're going to face a team that probably is going to be better than us, and they probably are going to beat us. And – they're going to put a beating on us, and you better be able to take it as much as you dish it. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's that's for sure. That's for sure. So what's some good advice you would give your younger self? Oh, I think it goes back to adversity, being able to handle adversity, being able, again, being able to be comfortable in the uncomfortable situations. I think that's probably the – and not even just in sports, but in life in general, like – being able to handle adversity better. I think now I'm, I won't say I'm great at it, but I've gotten much better at it through experience, through having to be able, through having to do that, having to persevere through hard times, but really just like having to be, being okay with not being in a situation that you want to be in. And and I actually, my, uh, my coach had told me this. She was like, you know, if you're like, you should constantly be in a situation where you're not comfortable because that not only does that mean that you're growing, but now you're always working to something. If you get in a situation and you're comfortable, then you've mastered that situation. Now it's time for you to do something else. And when you kind of start looking at things that way, you get, you get a little bit at ease when you're in a situation that you're not really familiar with, that you're not at, at ease with. Like, hey, I, I'm here, but... Don't worry because, and I always tell, I tell myself all the time, like, I'm, I'm not comfortable now, but don't worry, I will be. And once I am, I'll move on to the next situation and I'll move on to another. 
and I'll keep going and I'll keep going. And so I think I wish I knew that when I was like 10, don't we all? Yeah, right. For real. That like, 10. We all wish we knew everything when we were at that age. When, and yeah. when we thought we did. I remember telling my dad, like, I know. <laughs> I absolutely didn't know. I absolutely did not. <laughs> no idea, right? Not, I, I didn't have a clue what I was getting myself into. But I thought I did. At least I, at least I had the confidence. You know, that's one thing my parents can't take away from me is I always had the confidence. Whether I was yeah. the worst player on the team, I was going to have fun. When I went out there, I was going to go 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, um, now, what's some, what's some good advice you would give a girl that kind of went through what you did through high school with the injuries and stuff like that? Like, what would you tell her? to how to keep her motivated like like you were I I think when I went through my injuries was when I really learned like okay now I want to play softball and some kids I've, I've had friends all the time who were good enough to play but they went through an injury they went through something and they were kind of like yeah no it's not what I want to do so I would probably tell if anybody were in my situation which there's somebody out there that is I would pray that there wasn't because it sucked but I would tell them all the time, like, hey, you just listen to yourself. Like, again, trust yourself. Like, but honestly, say a prayer, you know? My, my mom used to tell me all the time, and I'd be like, dude, like, that's not going to get the injury away. And it was like, no, but it'll put you at ease a little bit. Like, it'll, mm. it'll, it'll make you feel a little bit relaxed. Like, you'll have a peace of mind. And so I, I, would, I would tell a kid that was in my situation, like, just, just trust that everything's going to work out the way it should. Trust that your plan is, has already been created and whatever you do now, like just trust that go with, go with the flow. You'll mm. find where you need to be. And I think that's one of the things that really scared me was that I thought, I thought like, because I was falling so far behind that people were going to take my spot or get my scholarship or I wasn't going to be able to do. It and I just kind of, which I didn't at the time, but now I know, like, I really just need to take a step back and trust the process. Trust that everything was going to work out the way that it should. Right, right. So my last, my last question that I have, and, you know, you said a few names during the podcast, so you should be able to help me out here. <laughs> <laughs> who, who would you like to hear on the, on the podcast? But the answer, you have to help me get your answer on the podcast okay let's see who would i if i had to pick somebody that i knew right now to podcast i think i think i would pick one i would another girl she played at galveston uh her name is maria she oh man let me tell you that girl right there she's crazy but in, in the best way possible like, mm. in the best way. Like, she's t- 21 years old, and sometimes I'm, like, I'm actually scared for what she's about to say. And and she never fails. Like, she's gone through some things. She's had quite the recruiting experience, and she was always, always just a, a baller. Like, you looked at her, and it was like, that girl, she plays with heart. And, and even today, she's also a coach now. And okay. she's also in school. And, like, I've watched her coach. She was at a, a tournament recently that I was at. And I watched her, and I was like, you can still see the the passion pouring out of her, even when she coaches. Mm-hmm. And it's so fun to be around that. It's so fun to watch her. So fun to be her friend because you can have conversations about just about anything, and she's going to make you feel comfortable. Okay. Okay, well, hopefully we can, you know, we can make it happen and get her on the podcast. Oh, I, I honestly, I really think she would. 
Let me tell you, that girl oh. loves talking too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay, well, sounds good. But I wanna, I wanna thank you for taking your time out of your day, you know, to to be on the podcast. Thank you. It was it was fun. Any chance I get to talk, I will. Yeah. So I have a few topics coming up, and 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 maybe maybe even you and and your assistant can get on on one time on my little Courtish Corner uh, episodes that I'm I'm starting now, and and we can just talk about just just certain topics. Yeah, for sure. Okay, we'll keep in touch. But thank you again. Of course. Thank you. All right. I'll let my boy Thomas, he's still out here getting them kids right. So y'all speed and agility, y'all need to hit him up. He got some quality work. My boy Jeremy with the tent, go follow his page on Facebook, GTZ Window Tent, and, and hit him up. May y'all get them appointments in. Levi's reads some more. Let the wife get them doors looking good. I know them doors might be naked, so go ahead and let her get y'all right. Levi's mobile detailing just a call away from getting them cars to looking brand new again. So y'all hit us up and we ready to get some work in, all of us.